Thank you for joining us to hear today's message. At Faith Assembly, our passion and purpose is loving people to life in Christ. To find out more information, visit our website, faithnewcumberland.com. All right, if you have your Bible, open it to the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. Okay, we're going to get into Old Testament prophet for the next few weeks. Daniel. Dare to be a Daniel. That was an old VBS song. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. So, anyone remember that song? It's an old one. I was looking that up. It's actually written, it's an old hymn written in like the 1800s. So, the late 1800s, Dare to be a Daniel. So, I thought it was a new kid song, but new old kid song, you know. Uh, the culture around us is changing, you know, whether we realize it or not. I'm sure we all do. Uh, it is changing, especially in regards to what our culture considers right and wrong, okay? Things that maybe a generation ago we we all agreed on that was something that was wrong or that was right. Now it's shifting. It's changing. Uh, maybe for some of us, it feels like we've entered the twilight zone, the twilight zone. Anyone? I loved that show growing up. And of course it was always the reruns, the twilight zone though. You just entered the twilight zone, right? Sometimes we feel like our culture, like we woke up and all of a sudden we're in a different world. We're in a different culture. Like, wait a second. Why are things so different today? We live in this things that are changing so rapidly. The question for us is how can we stand for God in this culture, in this culture that's changing and shifting and what we thought was right and now they're saying is wrong and what we thought was wrong now they're saying is right. How can we stand for God, for the truth of his word? How can we fight against the temptation? Because there is a real temptation to just say, well, you know, to give in to the pressure, to bow down to the culture and say, all right, whatever you tell me, I will believe, you know. Um, it's so easy to do. It's so easy to get swept up into it. It's so easy to turn on the news and like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to think. And, you know, but how do we stand firm? How do we stand for the Lord? How do we stand for his word? Uh, can his word help us? You know, we might think, well, that's just, you know, but yes, it can help us. And we're going we're gonna to study. We're actually going to go to the Old Testament. All right. This is hundreds of years before the Lord, the Old Testament prophet Daniel. And we're going to learn how to stand firm for God in a bow-down culture of compromise, all right? A bow-down, not a bow-wow, but a bow-down culture of compromise. Uh, Pastor Chris Hodges, if you want to kind of go deeper, he's written an excellent book on this topic. We're going to just cover some of this material. But if this is something that you want to go deeper in, I'd encourage you to, to get his book. It's called The Daniel Dilemma. We might even cover this as a small group down the road but a lot of great material in there. So the Daniel Dilemma. But we're going to study the book of Daniel and what's going on in this situation and how it relates to our life. So Daniel chapter 1, we're going to start at the very beginning. We're going to read it, and then I want to discuss like what's going on, and then we're going to read it again and say, okay, okay God, what do you have for my life here in New Cumberland in 2018? How many think it's crazy 2018 how many thought you'd never live to see 2018 i can be honest i didn't think when i was younger i was like i thought jesus would come back by now i didn't think 2018 but here we are flying cars and all right not yet soon hoverboards we already have now we just need flying cars right right kenan flying cars that'd be pretty sweet don't you think daniel chapter one 
In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. Turn to your neighbor and say, new names. Turn to your safe say, new name. Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, we all know that name, right? To Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, away we go, Abednego. <laughs> Greg Hubbard always said, Abednego, and uh, here we go, or away we go. So, Jesus, help us today. Help us not just to hear your word, not just to read your word. Help us to understand it, and most of all, help us to obey your word to apply it, Lord, that you don't want us to bow down to this culture. You don't want this culture renaming us, telling us who we are, that Jesus, you have called us, you have created us, you have given us an identity. I pray that we would walk in that. In Jesus' name we pray. And someone said, amen. amen. I know there's not many of us here, but you can all shout amen, huh? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I know you're all got a little farm show, farm show hangover today, huh? How many had some a few milkshakes this week? All right. A few potato donuts. Come on, be honest. A few cheese cubes. Oh, yeah, we stood in those lines, and we got it all. So, But uh, we love the farm show. Who doesn't like a little farm show, you know? And seeing those little ducks slide down, I mean, is that not the cutest little thing? That was probably my favorite thing. We always ask the kids, what's your favorite thing? And that was my favorite this year, the duck slide. So, and then the little pigs, the little piggies nursing, you know, and they're like, and then there's like some are collapsing, sleeping, and so, you know, that was pretty cute, pretty sweet. So, uh, has nothing to do with Daniel, but just, uh, just to make sure you're awake today. So, what's going on in Daniel? Here's what's going on. Israel was very successful, very prosperous in the reigns of King David and his successor, his son, King Solomon, all right? It was this united kingdom. But then the kingdom was split apart geographically, philosophically. It split into two halves. There was the northern kingdom, and then there was the southern kingdom, all right? The northern kingdom began to disobey God and disobey his commandments. They had the law of God, you know, the Old Testament, the Pentateuch and the Torah. They had the laws of God and they disobeyed. They went against that. And so God raised up prophets telling them, hey, you need to turn back to God. You're sinning. You're living in sin. You need to turn back to him before it's too late. There's enemies coming. You're going to be taken over. And they said, ah, oh, whatever. And the northern kingdom 
fell to Assyria. The Assyrian Empire came in and conquered the northern kingdom. Okay? Then there's the southern kingdom where Daniel was a part of. Daniel lived in Judah in the, the southern part of Israel. And this, they were watching what was taking place in the north. Like, wow, can you imagine that? I mean, just think about if Canada today, you know, like got taken over. We'd learn some lessons like, all right, don't do this and don't do that or else someone might come and take you over. Well, they watched what happened. They learned, but it wasn't that much longer. And they were doing the same things. They were disobeying God. They were walking in sin. They were rejecting God. And so God raised up prophets again, all right? He raised up prophets to, to preach the, the, uh, the good news. He, he raised up Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah to, to preach to the southern kingdom. Watch out. Turn back to God or else you're go, you are going to be taken over. So we read Daniel and we see the beginning of uh, the southern kingdom of Judah being overtaken by not the Assyrians, but the Babylonian empire, all right? Uh, empires, they've been going on for years, you know, generations and thousands of years. So at this time, it was the Babylonians, this great war-like empire that came. They conquered um, the southern uh, kingdom of Israel, and they enslaved the best of the best, all right? So Daniel was one of these slaves that they said, you know what, we're going to choose these young men who, who look like they can be trained, they're, they're strong, they're handsome, they're educated, and we're going to teach them our culture. We're going to indoctrinate them on our culture. We're going to even give them a new name. And so Daniel was one of this group, these young people. It's, um, it's pro- he was probably about 16 years old, just Put yourself in that in that place. You know, Kenan, how old are you? I started to keep poking. You're 12. So imagine in four years, some enemy comes in and says, you know what, Kenan, you're handsome, you're young, you're educated. I'm going to take you and, and enslave you, and I'm going to teach you this culture. Imagine that happening today, you know, just crazy. So Daniel, his friends, Meshach, and all these other guys that I, I, I read their names were enslaved by the Babylonian Empire, and that's really where we pick up in the story. And, but what happens is 70 years they're in this Babylonian exile, it's called. And so Daniel is, he's amidst this culture for 70 long years. You know, how do you stand firm for God? Well, we can learn from Daniel. He stand, he stood firm for the Lord. He served the Lord faithfully, even in the midst of pressure, even in the midst of temptation, even in the, in the midst of all the sin around him. He was around four different emperors. He, he, he lived faithfully and long enough where he, he influenced, he impacted four of the Babylonian emperors. And the last one was Cyrus. Cyrus was the one who actually granted freedom to the Jewish people that they could return home. So we can learn a lot. So we're going to learn from Daniel's life. We're going to learn from these situations of how we can stand firm, how we can not bow down in the face of this culture. All right. So today's message is this. Don't bow down to the culture when they try to rename you. We live in this culture today. Not only is it changing, not only is it shifting, but they're trying to rename you. Today's culture is trying to rename you and me. They're trying to redefine who we are. The labels, the identities of who we knew we were are now trying to be changed. In some places, it's no longer culturally acceptable to refer to your child as a boy or girl. 
because they believe that gender is changing and gender is fluid and that child will decide what gender they are at the right time and that could even change you know depending on how old they are we now live in a culture where the label of even christian is seen synonymous with the label of bigot or racist all right because of our biblical convictions about sin if we don't support same-sex marriage then some people in today's culture want to rename us as hateful. So there's this whole renaming and redefinition going on in our culture today. Does anyone else see that in our culture? People want to define and redefine who they are based on what they're feeling at the present moment. That's a crazy thing. It's not just like they're going to change something forever. It's, well, I'm going to change right now, and maybe I'll change down the road again. And But it's based on their feelings, their emotions, what I'm experiencing at this very moment. But the truth is we don't have the privilege of defining ourselves. There are limits to how far we can even reinvent ourselves because God has already defined who we are. He's created us. He's given us a purpose. He's created us in his image. And so we need to be surrendered, as we said earlier, to what God has for us. But Daniel and his friends even face this this pressure of being redefined and being renamed. Let's pick back up in Daniel 1. It says in verse 3, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. This was a cream of the crop, all right? They weren't picking the leftovers. These are the, the first chosen out of all the people. And it says that they gave them new names they gave them new name in those days when someone came to be victorious or conquered someone they would enslave them and they would give them a new name to show that they now own them they had they had a new ownership they belonged to the captors no longer would they be known by their old names but they would be known by this new, these different names. These new names were meant to erase their identities, okay? They wanted to erase the old and bring in the new. You're in a new culture, you're in a new society, you're in a new environment. Adopt who we are. And these names, as we're going to find out, they're actually a mockery to the Jewish heritage. They were a mockery to what they believed and what they held to be true. They were idolatrous names. They were names glorifying the gods of Babylon and not the God of, of Yahweh. And so, as we'll see, let's look at these four names, uh, what they originally meant, what they mean, what they were changed, and what that uh, can even help teach us. First is Daniel. Okay, his name in Hebrew means God is my judge. Okay, and then the Babylonian says, no, your name now is Belteshazzar, which means lady, protect the king. (laughs) The first thing they did was just kind of neuter Daniel. So you know what? You have this manly, macho name, God, you know, God is my judge. And then, you know, they change it to a feminine name, you know. They just, they shifted his gender, they shifted his identity and says, you know, you're not going to be some man of God. You're going to be some 
uh, this little kind of lady protect the king. They shifted his focus from God to human. They changed from a man held accountable to an all-powerful God to that of a woman who must protect her sovereign. In this culture, it was a terrible insult. All right, well, what does that have to do with us today? Well, today our culture continues to redefine gender, gender relationships, redefine marriage. It's reminiscent of what is ha- was happening in Daniel's time of changing and redefining and renaming. Our culture claims these qualities can be shaped and changed to suit what we want at the time. But you you and I know that that is not true. There is a purpose in how God made us. There's purpose in how he designed marriage. There's purpose how he designed gender to function, to complement one another. It'd be kind of a scary place if we were all, if it was only males that lived on this planet, all right? Thank the Lord there's females too. Or it'd be a scary, it would be actually uh, an interesting place of all females, all these like, that would be heaven on earth, right? <laughs> we need each other. We need compliment. We need the man. We need the female, the men and the women. If you are a God-fearing man, then love God with all of your heart as the man that God has called you to be. Don't let the culture say, no, you need to be more like a woman or no, you need to be more of this or more of that. No, you are a man of God. Be the man of God that God has called you to be. If you are a God-fearing woman, then love God with all your heart as a God-fearing woman. Don't say the culture says, well, I need to be more masculine. I need to be more whatever that is in their definition. No, be the woman God has called you to be. If he wanted you to be something else, he would have created you to be something else, right? Number two, Hananiah. Hananiah, his name meant Yahweh has been gracious. Just think about that. Yahweh has been gracious. It's a a great name saying, you know, like, God, you know, he's awesome. He's been so good to me. So they changed his name to Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. Hananiah, who who had a life, a name identifying him with Yahweh, has been so good. He's been so gracious. They said, no, you need, to fe- you need to be fearful of God. You need to be afraid of God. They inverted, they changed the focus from being God being good to God being bad. Instead of viewing God as gracious and kind, his new name spoke of fear, standing before a a tyrant or a monster or a maniac. I am fearful of God. The enemy wants to change our focus, rename us as if we must fear and be afraid of God rather than understand the grace and the love that God has for us. Sometimes the world wants to shame us into being silent because we love God or we follow God. We become embarrassed. We become ridiculed. But don't let the culture redefine or rename you. Number three is Mishael. 
His name means who can compare to my God? No one. These are some powerful names, you know. Sometimes we, how we name our kids is just like eeny, meeny, miny. This sounds good, you know. They actually had thought through these names. These names had such meaning to them. I know. We looked up some of our names. Uh, some of them we were for Emily. She has uh, the name that means a female sheep or something, right? But So she, she kind of got a little upset about that. But Emily is just such a beautiful name, Emily. And then there's those other names that have such strong meanings. But, you know, these names, Mishael, who can compare to my God? No one. All in a name, Mishael. You know, what's your name mean? rock you know pebble no who can compare to my god no one so they changed it i am despised contemptible and humiliated see the the identity change the the shifting so now he has to go throughout his life just reminding himself i'm humiliated i'm despised i'm contemptible rather than who can compare to my God? No one. They subverted the, the goodness of God. They changed that to be someone who was afraid, someone who was uh, emotionally unstable. Our culture calls us to give up on God and to give up on ourselves. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how many, even in the last year, how many high-profile suicides there have been on the news, you know, like people that were millionaires, people that were high in society, feeling like they were hopeless. They had nothing else to give, nothing else to do. So they were, they were despised. They felt contemptible. They felt humiliated, and so they took their own life. Think about the drug epidemic. Why are people so prone to going on drugs because they're looking for something. They feel like they're missing something. They, they feel despised. They feel humiliated. They're trying to make up for something. The kids today, there's young kids, young adults with such severe self-esteem, self-adjustment issues. We got our, we got our snowflakes on campuses. They can't adjust to the pressures of society, you know. There's a culture that wants to rename us and redefine us to say you're just despised, you're contemptible, you're, you're hopeless, you're humiliated, rather than who can compare to my God? No one. And the last one is Azariah. His name means Yahweh has helped. And they changed his name to Abednego, which means the servant of Nebo. Or translation, it could be, or Nego. So there's two ways of understanding this. Nebo was a great Babylonian god, and that's probably what they were referring to. He was a servant of this. He used to be a servant of Yahweh. Now he's a servant of this false god, this idol, this Babylonian god. Or if you take it as Nebo, is just another name, or Nego is just an ordinary name it could be a he's a servant of a person now he was a servant of Yahweh now he's just a servant of man and that's what our culture does today it defines us it wants to rename us and redefine us that we now serve man or we now serve another god we want now serve the the god of this world even in, in our in our 
the culture today of social media. Think about how how many times our focus is on like you know who likes us and our interactions that we have and the likes and the the positive comments and tweets that we have. It's all this servant of others. Or it's a servant of the gods of this world. We try to get rich. We try to do all these things. And we try to redefine ourselves rather than God telling us who we are. Today's culture is screaming at all of us. No, don't worry about God. Don't worry about what he thinks. You only must care about what other people think about you. Sometimes their validation, their acceptance is what we idolize and is what we worship. But this is exactly the opposite of God wants, what God wants for our lives. The greatest commandment, Jesus says, is to love God, to love others, not to ignore God and to live to please others, to love God and to love others. Babylon, that culture, tried to rename Daniel and his friends, tried to redefine who they were, tried to give them a new identity. And if we're not careful, our culture will try to do the same thing with us. But we must not bow down to the culture. We must only bow down to God and to his will for our lives. He's created us. He's called us. He has saved us. He will direct us. We surrender and we bow only to the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Jesus, we thank you today. We were reminded that the real there is a real enemy out there, God, that wants to redefine, rename, shift who we are. And God, help us to remember and always know that, Lord, you've created us, you've called us, and, Lord, that we must bow down only to you. We were made in your image, God. Male and female, you created us in the image of God to have fellowship and relationship with you, Jesus. Jesus, help us to find our worth, our value in you, in obedience to you, God. Maybe today you've been struggling with one of these areas. Maybe it's emotions. Maybe it's acceptance. Maybe it's your view of God, your view of others. And today the Lord is just doing a a healing work in your heart. He's re-centering, refocusing your heart, your mind on him. That you're a child of God. You're a son, you're a daughter of God. He's created you. He's called you. He's saved you. He's healed you. He's leading. He's guiding you. Don't allow others to rename, to redefine who you are in God, who you are in the Lord. You are a mighty man of God. You are a mighty woman of God. And God is using you. God wants to use you. God has a plan for your life.
Jesus, help us to realize that, to walk in victory because of that. Not to live in defeat, not to live in humiliation, but to live in victory. sing I surrender all and I surrender all I surrender all all to thee my blessed Savior I surrender I surrender all let's stand and sing it surrender everything to you not just some not just part but all to you help us to walk with you to lead others to you to live in victory and freedom in Jesus name we pray amen amen have a great Sunday